0: This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment. Tallman prides itself in having more lineman tools in stock than anyone else. And now, when you're shopping online at tallmanequipment.com, look for the truck logo that says, In Stock and Ready for Shipping, on hundreds of items on their website. That logo means that item is in stock and ready to ship the same day in most cases. When it comes to getting the tools and equipment linemen need, trust Tallman. Line 1-1 one one Clothing Company, making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line 1-1 one one Clothing Company on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Welcome to Show Up Dad. This podcast is created for hardworking fathers. At the Show Up Dad, we recognize that fathers providing for their children is certainly important. When women truly understand their unique role and gain the knowledge and skills to be great fathers, they can transform and impact future generations. Today's guest is Chris Peronto. In case you guys don't know, Chris is our past guest that I had the pleasure of inviting back to our show due to the amazing job he did the first time.
1: Welcome to our show, brother, for part two. Hey, thanks for having me. And, and uh, yeah, I know you're in California. I'm in Midwest. So so I'm sorry if I'm I'm just kind of in chill mode now because well, I'm always in chill mode. I'm just even in more chill mode when it gets to be and because I'm old, man. I'm an old dad. When it gets to be after nine o'clock, I'm just relaxing, man. You know, that all that piss and vinegar where you had to stay up all night. And I, I remember those days. Those are gone, man. Come come, eight o'clock. I'm, I'm having having a little drink, and I'm, you know, and and uh, and watching watching old old you know watching either old movies or watching a cartoon movie like a cartoon movie with my kid. Like he always loves watching, uh, you know, anything from Wreck It Ralph to what's another one he loves? Oh, he loves Sonic. Sonic two. Sonic Mm -hmm. two actually is a that's a good movie. I'll be honest, that was better than than the marvel movie that was better than dr strange i like sonic too that was funny or or watching like yeah travel channel or weather channel like us old parts <laughs> do. So, but yeah brother, so, yeah so sorry if i I'm, I'm all chilled out it's just it's it's that time of night man
0: Oh, no worries, brother. I'm with you right there, man. Nine o'clock comes and I'm telling the wife, Hey, I'm praying with the boys. You deal with them. I'm going to bed. <laughs> know,
1: I'm not going to bed. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, thanks for having me on again, man. And and I appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's good talking to you again and seeing you again, bro.
0: Absolutely brother. Same. Likewise. Well, today I wanted to talk to you and, and start with a recap of our last podcast that we did. Okay. I want yeah, to kind of course. continue something that you said that stood out to me. Um, you said that being able to overcome adversity and being a role model is how you set your kids up for success. And you said you didn't realize that until after Benghazi. Can you uh, expound on that point? And well,
1: I, I think I think you know I think being a role model in itself. It's I had to have role models too, positive role models, whether it be a dad or whether it be a coach or a teacher. So I, I think that's any father needs to be that way any father Mm. needs to be a positive role model i mean you're the father that you're the father figure for your child especially young men um and you know, going off a little bit on a tangent not get into the weeds of politics but even looking at what's going on right now with these shootings these a lot of these kids don't have fathers in fact i don't think any of I, i and i could be wrong but i don't think any of them had a father uh, now, as far as positive role models, I, they may have had one, but they may have had one. But as far as having a father at home, I think they were all raised majority of their lives by, by their mother. Nothing wrong with that. But I think it says a lot for that positive role model to be in that life being a father. Father needs to be there. You know, as I know that father needs to be there, present in a person's life, in your kid's lives. So the role model part. I may have said, and I don't want it to be taken out of context that I didn't think that before Benghazi, because I always did, because I had a positive, I had positive role models in my life. I had my abuelo, my grandfather, Joaquin, mm-hmm. tremendous role model. I had my dad, tremendous role model for me. And then I also had some, I, I was very blessed to be around some very significant coaches football basketball baseball that had an effect that way and that was the old school coaching you know that was the old that was yeah hey man do what you better do what you're told you're running ladders you know there was some punishment involved back in those days and, mm. and when we used to be able to have two days and even three a days where i remember that at dixie college with my coach great coach who's a tremendous role model again but what i learned in benghazi and, and learned from benghazi after the fact is the adversity um mm-hmm. I, I understood adversity to a point i don't think you really understand adversity until you've gone through uh, what even more so adversity until you've gone through a moment of duress which could be a death in the family um which could be a you know a criminal act against you a violent crime that happened against you or that you've had to react to a violent crime to save another person or war, war mm-hmm. or or and then, if you even want to get after, even if not war, even just going through special operations training, whether it be going through buds like a seal, being a becoming a seal or ranger or S special forces or Delta or Ranger Recon detachment, all those other, because you know you it, it is it is structured, but you're still going under a lot of duress and adversity because they're seeing how you can handle it under some of the most arduous conditions. Mm-hmm. So you're prepared for war, so you don't falter falter when war happens, <laughs> and that's what I learned. Not just from Benghazi, but being a ranger, being thrown out of the army the first time I was thrown in, thrown out, then coming back and doing it over again, then never quit, never giving up, you know, the attitude of, you know, you may get knocked down, but you got to pick yourself back up. And, And I did learn that growing up. I did definitely. But I really didn't put that into fruition to the extremes until I joined the army. And, mm-hmm. and then even having to join the army again and then going through the training going through ranger indoctrination which is now called ranger assessment selection going to be a private at Ranger battalion which is hard in itself just the everyday grind of being at a 75th ranger regiment and anybody that anybody that served at the 75th ranger regiment for any length of time will tell you that just getting up in the morning as a private and going there and just like oh my gosh here we go again I'm going to learn a lot, but I'm going to get crushed today because somebody's pissed off. <laughs> and, <laughs> it, it, but you have to get through it because you have to you have to know how to deal with deal with the smoke sessions, which is not smoking; it's actually getting physically smoked. <laughs> yeah, smoked, and, and not not physically beaten up all the time, even though those things do happen sometimes. But just physical, just PT till you're about ready to die, mm-hmm. and then going through Ranger School, of course, which is hard in itself, not eating, not sleeping. But what Benghazi taught me, though, is is at that extreme, is that even you know I was I really felt like I was prepped very well. So when Benghazi happened, where the worst case scenario really did happen, nobody was coming. You're you know you're, you're the literal you're three thousand miles away from anywhere. You're getting attacked. You're outnumbered, and there ain't nobody coming. Mm-hmm. If all that adversity that I hadn't gone through prior to Benghazi, where the divorce. The getting kicked out of the military, all the hazings and smokings I had to go through, and then just the normal stuff you go through becoming a ranger. And and then, you know, I, I don't and then also the 10 years of deploying prior to Benghazi even happening, mm-hmm. of going and working in Baghdad and Pablo and Kandahar and seeing and experiencing just death and destruction. And then, all, but also a lot of a lot of life, you know, seeing seeing little girls in Afghanistan going to school the first day. I was able to be in country when that happened in Kabul, and that was that was amazing. Oh my god! Like the Taliban's gone, little girls are actually going to school now, and seeing that on the street, I tell you what, it, it did it did it did choke me up. Uh, it was amazing to see that. But all those things, all those all that adversity leading up to to Benghazi, whether it was planned because of being a ranger some of that's plans or it wasn't where it just unexpectedly happened. Like my divorce or me kind of contracting ulcerative colitis and being hospitalized and then getting medically discharged out of the military when everybody, when, it, when everything was going great, you know, or God just, God's plan. You just don't question that plan. And yeah. just, you know, you kind of have to roll with it, learning that. So when Benghazi happened, it was really, know, yeah, this is God's way, you know, nobody's coming, Well, this is God's plan. All right. What do we do? Do we lay down and cry about it? Do we quit? Do we not? Do we do we say thing and, and yell at God saying, why? Why'd you keep me? Why am I here? Am I going to die here in this in this God forsaken country? No, you deal with it. You pick yourself up and you keep fighting and you keep grinding and you never quit and you keep going until either you get out of it or God says it's time for you to come to come visit me up in heaven. And that's that's just how it is. And that's where I think applying to life lessons, and you don't have to go through Benghazi to apply those lessons, to apply those and look back and be like, man, you just don't give up. No matter the adversity, you don't give up. And if you're in a situation that is just crap,
2: mm-hmm.
1: God has you there for a reason. I don't know why. Don't try to, and don't try to figure it out because we don't, God's not going to give us the answer. And sometimes we won't know it for years, just like mm-hmm. I didn't know for years. But you do keep driving on because you're not going to get out of that adversity unless you keep pressing on, unless you it's it's the old adage. Hey, the only way you can get out of a tunnel is you keep going until you see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know when it's going to come, but it's definitely not going to come if you just lay down and pout and cry and say and give up. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where Benghazi really, really solidified the never quit attitude for me because I I did, and the team—not just me, but the entire team—applied that never quit attitude throughout that whole night. Even though we really didn't know, I mean, we didn't know when we were going to get out of there. We had no idea. Nobody knew. We we had idea. We had plans, but we. To be honest, and I know if the other guys were here, they'd tell you the same thing. They'd be like, we really didn't know if it was going to be thirteen hours or thirteen days or thirteen months. We just knew we we had enough ammo to last for this long. We had plans and we were continually making plans. That's why I always tell people, continue to move forward. Even when the, even when it's at its bleakest, continue to make a plan. Continue to move forward. Keep moving mm-hmm. forward. Don't stop. Don't be static. Don't, don't be like that shark that stops swimming and drowns. But then in the end, if that doubt comes in that, hey, you know what? I don't think we're going to make it out of here because we don't know when we're getting out of here. You don't let that creep in your head. You just sense to yourself, you know what? As long as I keep moving forward and keep it ha- keep having faith, because faith always increases your luck. It's amazing how mm-hmm. that coincides. That if you have faith, faith and luck kind of go hand in hand. It really is amazing. I, I, but if you have faith, we're going to get out of here eventually. We mm-hmm. we will. We'll figure out a way. And and again, it's it's not giving it all up to the Lord and saying, God, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I, there, there, there are times to do that. Like the suicide moment I had, that was like on my knees, God, I need you to take over. I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm lost. But in those situations, there, it is not God, take over and lead me to this gate. It's just God, whatever you want me to do, just whatever I need to do, just be here with me and, mm-hmm. and do guide me. But you, it's still that freeway. You still got to move forward and keep, mm-hmm. keep, keep moving forward to save yourself. And then it's, things just start to pop up, just like the plane that showed up in Benghazi, the, mm-hmm. the, the Afghanistan transport. A lot of people don't know this, and we didn't really put it in the movie, and we didn't want to get into it too much, but that plane just showed up. It wasn't for us. It just showed up. <laughs> it okay. was an Afghan. It was a, not an Afghan. It was a Libyan transport. And I remember that specifically because I remember... I thought we were going to do a hot load, which is what a hot load is on a C-130. It's where the plane lands and it slows down and the ramp drops and it, it taxis, but it slows way down. So you can either drive up on it or you can run up on it and then it takes off. So Mm -hmm. it's like a quick light. So it doesn't get attacked while it's on the ground, spending less time on the ground. So it continues to move. Uh Well, well, this plane went right by us and shut its engines down about, uh, it was about a half a mile away from where we were at and, to me, that was abnormal because I've done a lot of hot loads with the agency, and then I've done some with the Rangers being in the Army. And if there's a plane, if you're under com- if you're under uh, the possibility of of combat, or you've just been in combat, and there's think there's SA sevens or surface-to-air missiles that are possibly around, a plane's not going to just shut its engines down and stop. It's no. going to get on the card, get you in there, and just, take right back off. And I remember looked at it, and it went down there, and then it. It cut its engines off. And I remember looking at my team leader, my GRS team leader, the CIA team leader, our GRS global response staff. That's what we were called. That's our official name with security. I looked at him and I go, I did. I remember looking at him, I go, is that for us? And he goes, and I went, oh, okay. (laughs) And we got in a vehicle. We had, we still had a little, uh, one of our interpreters was still there and we got in a vehicle. We went down there and we talked the pilots into flying us out. They were actually getting out of their, their airplane to go get shot. They're taking a, a tea break. They're coming uh-huh. to get, and we're like, hey, man, and they saw us, and we had our dead bodies. We had the ambassador. We had Tyrone. We had Sean. We had Glenn, and we're like, and I, they I, they did know what had gone on because, you know, it, it was all over the place. The attack was going on. And honestly, that's probably why they left. <laughs> uh-huh. They did but um, yeah, we talked and flying us out. So what I'm saying is that what Benghazi did it did solidify to me that you just, you never give up. And all that adversity that you're going through, mm-hmm. it is just prepping you for a Benghazi. It's prepping you for that worst case scenario. I didn't realize the divorce, the ulcer of colitis that hospitalized me, that got me discharged from the military, the, 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 all the crap of being a private again when I came in the second time mm-hmm. and just, training at ranger school you know that just being just going through hell there and 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 you know and then just normal everyday life of just not getting what you want what you think you want Mm -hmm. that didn't stop me from continuing to move forward it just all culminated so when Benghazi happened I was like ah yeah. I've seen death before. I understand that. Yeah. That little girl, I made a bad call in, in, in Iraq and I probably could have saved her, but I didn't, but I kept driving forward and we ended up saving some other, we ended up saving 30 people within that element there. Mm-hmm. Um, the divorce, you know, I didn't stop. I didn't just cry over it. I actually went and got my master's degree and tried to continue to better myself. Oh yeah. Wait, Benghazi. I needed to all that adversity. So when that night happened, I didn't give up. I didn't quit. And I could, the team could tell you the same thing because they were all older guys that had been through a lot of adversity up to that point. I don't think that was a coincidence, brother. I don't think God had that team there at that particular time out of chance. We needed a senior team there that had gone through a lot of adversity in and out of the military, which each one of us had yeah. to, to get through that night together, to not have any crybaby. baby. I, I have no crybaby attitudes. No, we're no give up attitudes. It was, no, we're going to keep fighting. We're going to kick your ass every time. And we're going to keep picking ourselves up, even if we get knocked down until we just can't pick ourselves up anymore. And that's where the role model of never quitting, never giving up with your children come in. You don't need I you don't need to speak like we're speaking here. I keep kicking ass. Come on. get there. Yeah, there's ways to do it where you can still pick them up, depending on age. I mean, yeah, see my seven year old, sometimes he does need a kick in the ass more than my six year old. I'm going to handle it. A little yeah. Yeah but it's always get up, get yourself up. Don't stop. All right. What did you do? All right. did, did You didn't get what you want. All right, I support what you're doing. Just need to work a little harder. The way you do it is, is essential. And there are times to be hard. There are times to say, Hey, suck it up and get your ass up. And there are other times to say, you know what? You, you did your best. I get it. Let's just work on a little harder. Let's figure out what, what we, what we need to improve on. And then there are times where you just let it, let it walk away for a little bit and handle it at a different time. But the the common denominator of all that is you just still never give up. We still try to figure out why you fail, what obstacle maybe have hindered you or what hole you may have fell in. And how do we get out of that? And then if it happens again, let's learn from that. So if it happens again, you don't need me to help you get out of it. You figured it out for yourself and you have the confidence because you've already got out of it before. Mm. You know how to handle it. And that was where really Benghazi was. Uh, after looking back at my life and looking back at Benghazi, mm-hmm. that is where it really came to me. Like, man, you know what? I now I understand, God, why you put me through all that stuff I'd gone through up to this point. Uh, even though I thought I needed something, you took it away from me. You knew best because you knew I needed to push myself to want to attain that goal again. Well, I understand now. You, you were just pushing me. So when this happened, I didn't quit on myself. I didn't quit on my teammates, and that's where we can help with our kids. But it, yeah, I, I think every father should be doing that already. You don't yeah. need you don't need a Benghazi to be able to think that way. Every father should be. When your son's having a temper tantrum on the ground, yeah, get you. I do that. Get your ass up. <laughs> get right. up right now. But that's the tone I use as a father. But when he yeah. maybe like when he loses a soccer game, oh, my son is my little six year old is a perfect example. He's fast. My son is fast. They're very blessed. They have their mother's legs, obviously. <laughs> my daughter is fast. They're all quick. They're all good little athletes. So. But my six year old, he's playing and dude, he, they're he's playing against a team and. Uh, you know, here in Little Fort Scott, really on the team he was on, uh, you know, he he really was the only little guy on the team that really knew what he was doing. And he's six years old, so there's kids that are running around looking at you know it is they're looking yeah. at the butterfly. He's competitive and, and they're playing a team and they usually they, they do really well. And he and they're playing this other little team. And this other little team actually is six-year-olds, they're they're good, they're coached, they got good players. And I remember my son, my little boy, I was not so proud of him, he was playing his heart out. He was just I mean, all over the place. And they did end up losing six to four. It, mm-hmm. And that's the only game they lost. They, they lost. And uh, my son scored those four goals. And he was crying so angry because it's like, he's like, dad, he, he didn't help. He didn't help. I'm like, son, I am so proud of you because you worked your tail off and you did so awesome. And you, every time, and he would fall down, get up, fall down, get up. Cause he kept playing so hard. And I, you kept getting up and i have never been more proud of you and there's nothing to cry about you you, you did awesome and what i said to him i remember i pointed at him let him look at me i said what i'm most proud of is you did never give up mm. and i could tell he wanted to a few times because he was so he he was getting so frustrated that his other his team the team wasn't it wasn't helping and and there's nothing wrong with that 6 we don't, we're i'm not that kind of father we <laughs> ah, yeah. 6 years old you got I, but I, I, he watches enough soccer and he sees my son and my daughter play that he knows what a team sport is. And he knows what's, so he understands that, that, you know, he wasn't getting the help that he needed, but I didn't want him to get mad at his other teammates. And I told him, I don't, I, we didn't even get into that. I just want to say, hey, son, I am so happy that you just kept getting up and he even got hurt. He got, he went down hard and he remember he got kicked in the stomach and there was a timeout I went to go out there and I I, you know that's a dad you okay yeah I'm good because I just want to sit down I said well if you want to sit down but don't don't stop and he popped himself back in there I didn't force him I said I said just son just don't stop don't don't quit okay Mm -hmm. and he went and took a break got some water and got back in there and that's what made me smile honestly and even of all the games that they won where he would score six or seven goals and honestly it was a little unfair he's just so fast I was most proud of him from that game, the game they lost, because he just he did what I wish I would have done. I would have known at a six year old and maybe I did. And I just don't remember. But mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. So to me, the father, again, as a role model, is just you always tell your kids, you teach them, you train them, you tre- you do train them guys. And they're not dogs. I'm not saying that all you trolls out there on tunnels, not saying that at all. I'm saying, but you, they do need to be trained know how to act right. I was trained with discipline and and how to and and um and mm-hmm. respect and, and and you know and sirs and ma'ams I, I was um I'm gonna say I wasn't trained I was because that's how you act chivalry still still a big thing in my house as well. Mm-hmm. But um that with my son it, it was that that training and that advice that he'd gotten just not for me but even my older son and my daughter
2: mm-hmm.
1: it it was amazing he just he just he didn't quit and that's something that that as fathers again I'm circling back that we need to teach our kids that you know and that you're gonna lose sometimes it's okay to lose honestly I yeah. think you learn more from losing and I know I did I lost all the time growing up I, I very rarely was I on a I was on some great teams playing football and college, and, and I had some good grades and I had some terrible grades but I lost a lot too mm-hmm. and then you know I lost a lot in life the divorce at the time when I did get divorced, that was a loss to me. Getting thrown out of the military and coming back to Grand Junction with my tail between my legs, that was a definite loss. That was humiliating. Yeah. You know? So, but I learned a lot from those losses. And when I overcame them, when I hit some adversity again. I like, I can do this. And that's Benghazi is another example, hitting that eight foot high block wall that night and pulling myself up with all that gear and be like, holy crap, I am not a young guy anymore. And I think we even I even said the exact thing on the prior show. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to ranger school of when I had to run up a mountain with the 70 pound pack five miles, this nine foot high block wall didn't seem that tough anymore. But mm-hmm. see, that's what I'm saying, overcoming the yeah. I went through experience. I pulled from it. I remembered it. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm being the biggest wuss right now. Excuse my language, but I'm being the biggest pussy right now on this nine foot high block wall. Mm-hmm. I I've done this before and I didn't feel pain the rest of the night. I mean, I got tired, but I didn't feel the pain because it's like, you know what? I've been through hard physical stuff before. I have. And mm-hmm. I I know what to, and I just I know I can, I know I can do it. And that's things I know I could do it. And that's the biggest thing with the kid, our kids as dads is that you just always reinforce that you can do it. You mm-hmm. can do it. You may not do it now, but you can continue you can do it if you just continue to get better and work hard, work hard. and Benghazi was huge and Benghazi, in itself, that's not the end state. Benghazi is what helped me get through the suicide attempts I had after mm-hmm. when I was divorced from my wife I'm currently back with, when I was on my own living the vice life was succumbing to every vice that was known that's known to man out there, you know um. Benghazi is what saved me the last attempt that I had because I looked in the mirror. I'm like, I've been through, you know, I've been through all this before Benghazi. I thought about the divine and I conquered that. I've been through hell one night of hell with a great, you know, the team, not just me, but the team. And we got through that. And I'm going to quit on myself now. No, I don't quit. I don't give up. We don't. And that's why to all veterans, all those that are on that. And I talk to those with post-traumatic stress and those, that are contemplating it's like dude we have never quit anything Mm -hmm. in our lives and now we're going to quit on the most important things in our life that's ourself and our family no not doing it and so really Benghazi saved my life later because the people the people there'll be an argument that people will say especially the trolls are the ones that don't really care for me which is fine it comes with the territory um they're going to say well wait wait Benghazi caused you to do that to think that way no it really didn't I would have been down that road eventually anyway because of the life path I chose and because of the, the you know the, the years of deploying before Benghazi yeah. so it, it may have happened later but I would have eventually done the same thing to myself tried to went down those dark holes let the demons take over I would. yes but um because Benghazi went through it I was able to look back at that and be like no way i I got through that. I can get through this. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna quit on myself and I'm not gonna quit on my family. And I'm gonna reconcile my family. I'm gonna fix myself. I'm gonna un-F myself and I'm gonna get through this. So the the story doesn't stop with Benghazi. Benghazi was just another test, Mm -hmm. another obstacle for me to overcome so I could get stronger. And that's why again, we should apply all these things when we're raising our children. So they have that never quit, always get back up attitude, and it can be as simple as picking yourself up when you get knocked down at a football game, to actually going through some life changing, monumental event. Even at a young age, they they Mm. can still you you know they still have to overcome whether it's a sickness or whether it's a you know it's a death in the family. I mean that's 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 the really the best thing I can compare it to. Yeah. Um, but but it doesn't have to be that monumental. It can be something again. That's why I, that's why I think I, I think athletics are extremely important or any sort of competition at the mm-hmm. at the grade school to high school level, What it can be chess, it can be chess club, it can be any It doesn't have to be athletics. It just needs to be competition is extremely important because you learn how to deal with adversity, you learn how to deal with losing, but then you learn from that losing to get stronger so you don't ever lose again. hmm. It, it, it's, it's improvement. And that's, I, I, it doesn't, like I said, I, it doesn't have to be athletics. It can just needs to be anything where there's some competition involved. And um, I just think parents, parents, and I, I think we're getting away from that. I do see yeah. that they're positive that we're getting better, but I think when it was that everybody gets a trophy mentality did not make us a stronger generation, did not make us a stronger country at all. In nope. fact, it made us we uh, much, much weaker. And it made us dads, It made dads in general much weaker because, because we weren't pushing our kids anymore and we need to do that. And I, I I do think there is a, because of those things and types went on, which went on. I do think there's a direct correlation in what's going on with a lot of these kids. I mean, there's more to it than just that there's, yeah. But with these, these mass shootings going on, I, I really do believe that, especially not having a father figure, to teach you how to handle adversity and failure. So you don't go to that extreme where you feel ostracized or you feel insecure about yourself. It's just, Hey, we all fail. Failing is just a step toward success. That's mm-hmm. all it is. And as a father, we, we need to teach that to our children. Um, but you don't need to be the great Santini either. There's a fine line. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't need to, ah, yeah. th- there is a fine line to it. Um, but that's, but nobody said being a father was supposed to be easy. No. So, so, so you learn from, it. but I know I went in a round, round, round way, but that, no. that's, that's what I meant. I and mean, that's, that's exactly how I still feel to this day. And, and I have learned, I've learned watching from my wife, how to, how to help my sons and my daughters overcome adversity by being a little gentler. There is a time for softness too. It doesn't mean yeah. you have to be weak, weak. That's, that's not weak. is not soft is not weak. Soft is just this needs to be handled with some more kid gloves, not just get your ass. Up. Yep. <laughs> but there are times for that too. So, um, but that's what being a father is. You learn, you learn how mm-hmm. to be, a, and I, I will be completely honest with you. I think I'm a better father now with my six-year-old than I was with my 7 year old I, I, I really do believe that not. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I, I, it's it, it it's it's a little bit makes me a little sad because I put my my oldest son through he he got he got he got the mean tonneau because yeah. I was always deployed I was always coming back and for two months at a time trying to reacclimate. Stre- you know I was high stress high high energy um, I still loved him to death I know I gave you know, and, and I know you know he still got hugs and he still but I didn't I didn't listen as much as I do now with my six year old. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I've learned to become a better father, and and um, I think we all can do. That. There is some guilt that comes with that, of course, because like, damn, I do look back. I'm like, man, I wish I would have acted like that with the seventeen year old. But you know, you can't t- take that back. It's just it's what happens. And no. and I I, have, I was saying too, once that bullet goes down range, you can't take it back. If you miss the target, you just readjust, re aim, and refire. Mm. Same thing, okay. I I missed the target, but I have another chance to shoot. Let's fix those mistakes so I can be a better shooter. In this case, a better father. Um, I know it's a crazy analogy talking about max shooters and no father. It's a great analogy, but (laughs) but um, but but brother, you know. But the 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 blessing is is that my son, my oldest son, and my daughters were still young enough that I still got to be the better father with him. My son's almost graduating from high school. I love that boy to death. He gets straight A's. He's a great athlete. You know, he's very responsible. I don't have to worry about him going out on the weekends and getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. My daughter, on the other hand, maybe, I think she's more like me, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but um, you know, he, ha- and and the blessing that I have is he has a tremendous mother that picked up the slack when I wasn't, wasn't the greatest father. And so I'm very blessed with that.
0: I, I think it's awesome. Chris that you talked about how that adversity is prepping for worst case scenarios. Yeah. It know? is. And it, it truly is, you know, and uh I also like that you said that competition is important. Definitely. And I agree with you 100% when you said that it's not so much the competition, it's them learning how to handle the
1: not you know,
0: defeat. Right, well,
1: and, and we—that's we, so the thing—is we even stutter when we say defeat and loss yeah. because our society is made us <laughs> so. And we've got to start saying that with it. It's—it's it's, we're not saying they're losers. I—I'm not a loser, and I've lost a lot, but mm-hmm. I know how to handle a loss to get better. I also know that the loss doesn't mean that game stops. We got to continue to play. That's life. The game doesn't stop. So, I still have that chance to win down the line. I was, I, and that's, I, I think that is one thing that I've been able with my kids to get through to them because my father said that to me. My right. father was a football coach. He said, you know, and, and I think all football coaches from the Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, Lavelle Edwards, Paul Bear Bryant, those days of coaching mm-hmm. were that we, never, we're, we didn't lose, we just ran out of time we're always, and that was the mentality I had played football. It didn't matter if it was 60 to nothing, the clock ran out. We were eventually going to win if we kept playing, <laughs> but that's life. That's the thing with life. Really. If you think about it, the clock, never runs out. I mean, when you finally when you do pass, if God says this is your time to die, then that's just it. But in essentially the game never ends. So you're never out of, you're never out of the fight to win. You, you mm. still can win, even in the worst case scenario. And that's, you know, how long did it take me to, I really felt like I'm winning. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> 30 years Third, So I've been fi- I've been playing. I've been playing behind for 30 years. And now, because I didn't give up, I didn't quit. I I, I did made a lot of life changes, which were positive. Yeah. Prayed every day. I did. I've been praying every day since I was 14. I prayed more, you know, and still having God even stronger in my life. Now I actually feel like I'm winning. And I, but see, that's thing We're still playing the game. The game's not over yet. I'm still alive. So I think that's what kids is that we need to have that. So it's not, you're never defeated. So you lost that, that chess match. You're mm-hmm. not defeated. You got another one next week. Let's prepare for that one. And you know, when chess is over, you have college to go to. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, but that's a game too. And when college is over, you've got another choice to make is whether it's a job or whatnot. And then, then if you get in that job or do what you want to do in that job, then guess what? You have a chance to move up the ladder. The game still, you you can always continue to improve, or you can just say, you know what? I'm content, but you still have to maintain. So you still got to keep playing. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that either. The thing is, is you're always going to be playing. And if you don't know how to lose, when you do lose and you don't know how to, you're going to stop playing and you're going to quit. And -hmm. that's when we either commit suicide. That's when we either, Go do mash I mean, I mean that's that is really where it's at. When you finally quit, you do mass shootings. Yeah, and and that's what's sad is a lot of these kids they're they're too young to be quitting. Or you quit in life and you become a bum on the street. And that's just and I mean I'm not the and not the ones that are that are on the corner making money. You know, I'm talking literally like the guy I just saw driving home, um from um uh, from Colorado. We were in Salina, Kansas, and he is sitting in a pile of trash talking to himself and you know. I mean, this dude is, this dude's basically, he's gone. He's He's gone. There's no, there's no help. I mean, I couldn't even talk to him even give him money because he just, he's uh, he's out of it, but he's sitting in a pile of trash Mm -hmm. by a dumpster with long ass coat on. I mean, it's, it's dude, it's a hundred degrees out. He's got a, he's got one of the, I mean, it it really, it it looked like a cliche scene from what you'd see in a movie of an actual, when you, when you say bum or you say. He really did, but he was he was completely out lost. Just I don't think he even acknowledged I was even there. Wow. Um, and this is in Salina, Kansas. This is not even in New York. This is not a city. We're in Salina, Kansas. Yeah. But he has given up. He has he has stopped playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing with kids is that just to say, hey, you you may lose this battle. Mm-hmm or you may lose this game, or you may lose this altercation, or, and I don't want to always use negative context as more. I, I, I do sometimes, but I don't want it to seem like, because to me, that's negative. You may, you may lose at this point, but you're, you haven't lost in life. You just, this is just, this is just a diversity. Let's learn from it. Let's figure it out. We got to mm-hmm. keep driving on and you're going to get better. And guess what? I'll be honest with you, when I was 16, I can't remember, I, I really, I mean, I remember some big, some of the major games that we lost, maybe two or three, but I uh-huh. can't remember a lot of them anymore. All I can remember is how fun I had playing basketball or how fun I had playing football or being out there sucking in the heat with my buddies. Honestly, that's what I remember. I remember yeah. the two days. I remember being a 100, being going to Dixie Junior College and we were called the Rebels and we were awesome for a junior college. We were one of the top junior colleges in the nation. Doing three a day, it's getting up in the morning and practicing at 6 a.m., then going out in the afternoon and practicing 11, then practicing at 11 at night till 2 a.m. because it was 110 degrees out. It's right outside Las Vegas, so mm-hmm. it's it's right there. Um, I remember some of the games we won. I remember some of the games we lost. But what I remember most is the misery. Misery does love company, being yeah. miserable with those guys together, but making it fun. That's what I remember a lot with the military, too, is mm-hmm. – is, it's, I don't really remember all of ranger school, but I do remember the times that we were sucking together in the cold and my team as a uh, bitching <laughs> together, being like, gosh, because I was a winter ranger, this sucks. Or my toes freezing and me complaining, you know, me complaining to my ranger buddy or fa- I do remember falling asleep and him waking me up <laughs> after they were three miles down the road because I fell under sleep or bush. I remember that because I was in complete panic, but like I said, I remember, I, I don't remember really the losses. I just remember the more of the camaraderie. And, yeah. and I think that's what our kids, you know, as they get older, a loss may sting at that time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you're, you're going to get over it. You're going to learn from it and you're going to continue on. And when you get to be 30 or 40, you're not even really going to remember that loss. You're going to remember some of the hard times because that's what, you know, I, to me, yeah. I remember because that's what forges you. That's what makes you who you are. That loss. Let's learn from it now. But I always tell my kids, you know what? And they'll roll their eyes at me because they're my kids. Like, "Eh, dad, I know, I know, I know. Roll their (laughs) eyes. But they understand that it's 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 not a life changing big deal. Yeah. If you lose that game, it's if you stop playing. That's the life changing big deal. If you quit, you say, you know what? I lost once. I don't want to do this anymore no, 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 no. You finished the season out. We started it. We're going to finish it. That was my dad's big thing. Mm-hmm. You don't quit anything. If you don't want to play next year, that's one thing. If you don't want to play football next year, because no, we started this season. You're finishing this season out.
2: <laughs> and
1: luckily I haven't really had to do that with my kids. Cause I'll be honest, that was ingrained in them at an early age for me from yeah. the military. That really was because you, I started in the army. And even when I got thrown out, I didn't feel like I had finished what I started. So I got back in again to finish my time up. So um, that is something that, again, with life and learning, we can Mm -hmm. get through. And that's why I get into Benghazi. That's why it was, nope, not going to give up. No way. No, we'll keep fighting until God says it's time for you to not fight anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I had come to terms with that. But I had come to terms with that every time I left on a plane. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to die. I didn't think I didn't plan on it, but I had come to terms with it every time I left because it was a possibility there, You have to have some sense of realism too. Like, be realistic, but I never gave up though. I never was going to quit and just die and just die lying down. That's not going to happen.
0: Now, I thought that was interesting that you said about leaving, right? Every time you left. Yeah. And I want to kind of move into this segue here sure, about, sure. about moving. Okay. So in that movie, right? yeah yeah uh the actor krasinski right yeah 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 he's the one that played that navy frogman. he's talking with the guy who played roan in there and they're talking about how he always wanted to be home but he was struggling finding the same purpose he had at work you know finding work at home
1: right yeah warriors warriors aren't trained to retire exactly so did you feel that same way that that's that that Uh, the thing i loved about benghazi uh, i I mean i loved about 13 hours is is a lot of like that there and even like i think i even said it went on the last show the phone call where you see jack silva again and guys jack is real let me tell you right now why you will never know who he is he was seal team five he's not just a movie guy he wasn't just john krasinski made up character his wife and i i still talk to jack Mm. and i knew his wife his wife has the pants in that family, and she is adamant that she never wants his name out there. Jack has no say. <laughs> at all. his wife said nope. and to this day that's how she is. so you most you will probably never know who Jack Silva is because his wife his wife wears the pants to that family. There's nothing wrong with that. We just <laughs> to give we always used to give Jack shit because that was our that was the joke even there. It's like, dude do you even even are you even the boss at home because you definitely <laughs> ain't the boss here. but that, okay. But that being said, okay. Getting back to your question, um, uh, that and then yeah, like the the phone call home where you see Jack talking to his wife, mm. really what that is—that's a conglomerate of all of us and trying to put it into one scene because we all felt like that. Mm-hmm. We all felt like, man, because we're all older. It's like, man, when are we going to be home? I mean, every year, I this is—you'll hear contractors in their forties at that time, and I'm sure it's still the same here. Mm-hmm. Every trip is your last trip. Every trip you go out is like, yeah, this is my last one. I got to be home. I got to be home. Because after doing it 8, 9, 10 years, you think you are but yeah, you get that bug. It mm-hmm. is. And, and and I don't think it's adrenaline. I think the the civilian population, especially the media likes to say it's adrenaline. It's adrenaline. It's-. Mm-hmm. No, it really isn't. I mean, yeah, we like adrenaline, but that's not why. I I think we go back and at least in my case um, it, it, it is fun being, first of all, it's fun doing the job. The job was fun. I love sneaking around. You know, I love being a ranger. I love being in the army. But I tell you what, when you go out in town by yourself and there's no backup at all, that's really freaking cool. I mm-hmm. mean, and and you're getting, I mean, you're basically living off the local economy. You're you're walking around the sooks, you're getting coffee, you're getting, but you're on your own, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, that is fun, always um, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with it. We enjoy the job. a lot. We don't mm-hmm. realize that we do. And, and the job and the family are competing against each other because we want to be home. We want to have our cake and eat it too. Yeah. We want to be home all the time, but we want to be on the job too, because it's fun and we enjoy it. I, I do. Th- and I do also think the old adage of you're doing it for the man to your right, and left, you're doing it for your brother or your sister to your right mm-hmm. and left of you. That comes true too, because you do miss the guys, even the ones you hate. You miss the camaraderie on the base. Oz and I didn't get along. I don't think people knew that. I mean, we we played nice when we were doing all the news stuff together, but after it was over, I just wanted to be away from him. I don't know if he felt the same with me, but we didn't hang out. I don't, I, I didn't like Oz and Benghazi, but I still respected him because he was a tough son of a bitch. He was a good father for his kids. I saw that. And also, um, I Knew I could depend on him. You don't have to like somebody to work with them. I, I no. that's, that's something I learned from Benghazi and the military as well. I think that that's a misnomer that the civilian population has. It's a belief, it's a misconception mm-hmm. that on those special operation teams, everybody gets along. No, no, that's very rarely, <laughs> rarely true. But I respected him as well. But even us, was, you know, he was getting up, and I think he was he was old, he was the oldest out of all of us. He was like 45 or 46 at the time. I was 42 you know that this was going to be his last trip but it's it really is the camaraderie and being a lot of those countries you couldn't travel to those countries as a as a tourist so you're getting to go to places that most people will never i i love that that most people will never see and seeing the history of it and it is it is haunting it is beautiful as well, though to be it, be in an area that's just seen combat, to see buildings that have been blown up, mm-hmm. to see holes, you know, fifty cal holes in the side of concrete structures. Mm-hmm. Um, it is cool. It is. It is neat. It's. 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 I call it a savage beauty. It's. It's very. It's savagely beautiful. Mm-hmm. If that's the, if a the term. I, And it's something that all of us know that we would never get to see if we weren't in the positions that we were. And that's Mm -hmm. something you do miss when you go home. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, yes, we all felt that way. And then there is a money issue as well. You know, at the beginning of 13 hours, you hear Roan, who was played by James Badgedale, who I think did an excellent job playing Roan. I think he did excellent. And then John Krasinski played Jack. And guys, to be quite honest, Jack and John Krasinski actually look pretty similar in real life. They do. They do. Um, But there's a scene in the movie at the very beginning where they're talking and he goes, Rome goes to Jack, how's the real estate business going? And Jack goes, well, I'm here, aren't I? That was true. Jack had just lost his ass in the real estate business. So he he needed this to make money. And we did make good money. I mean, I thought. I mean, until you got shot at or blown up, then you didn't make enough. But in the days that you could just play Call of Duty, hanging out all day, or you just were going into town to do your surveillances, we were making good money. So sometimes it is money too, Mm -hmm. and and that's all that. At that, in some cases, I would say in the majority of cases, um, unless the operator has a bachelor's degree or some college education that's the only job they can do to make that kind of money. There's no other yeah. option. And Jack had lost a lot in real estate. So,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: I think Jack, it was the camaraderie, but for him, I think it was more of the money. He, he His family was in dire need of, of, of money. But with me and Roan and, and Oz and Tig, and I hate speaking for him, but I, I think a lot of it for us was that it was hard. To, it was hard to retire. Mm-hmm. Warriors aren't trained. To, that's why we put warriors aren't trained to retire. That's how we all felt. Did Rowan actually say that? I'll tell you. No, he didn't. But we knew that we wanted that in there because that's what we felt. And you couldn't go to each of us and have that scene that him and Jack had. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that because the movie would be five hours long. It was already two and a half hours. So we're like, OK, how do we do this? So it says what we're all feeling in this one scene. Mm -hmm. And that's how we all felt. And it was and that's why it came out so damn cool, too, because Mm -hmm. we did think that we're like, yeah, warriors aren't trained to retire. And we we weren't. Um, And honestly, to be quite honest, we didn't. We kept working aside from Oz and then, of course, Bob and Rome. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: All of us kept deploying after Benghazi. All of us went to Yemen or Lebanon. So we didn't retire. The only reason we had we stopped working is because the CIA and John Brennan and the Obama administration pulled our security clearances when we told the truth. Mm. And if, and we, so we didn't basically, they fired us They fired us without saying they fired us. When they, when you, when our security clearances get suspended and there's several different ones, I had a state department, I had a DOD and I had an ISSA, which is the NSA and the CIA security clearances. I top secret in all of them when they're suspended, mm-hmm. you can't work anymore. So mm. They were smart. They were very tactical and cunning in saying and not firing us because if they would have fired us, that it would have been huge in the news. CIA contractors fired after telling the truth of Benghazi by saying you're suspended. You, we're not fired, but we'll never work again because we'll never get those clearances reinstated again. So we were done.
0: And what was the truth that they were so? I mean, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> what was the truth that they kind of? per se punished you guys over saying like just
1: I, I that I, I think really was more that they just wanted Benghazi to go away and itself away. because we were doing things that we shouldn't have been doing there are the foreign policy and now we're getting into politics a little bit but I'll, I'll be pretty brief in it yeah um the foreign policy under Obama was awful if you've looked at that administration's foreign policy we were destabilizing nation after nation after nation it was awful It was almost like we were the dictators and we were trying to enforce our will on the Middle East and North Africa. And of course, yeah, it did start under Bush. It did. But Obama took it to the extreme Mm -hmm. and we were moving weapons to help Syrian militias or Syrian rebels Mm -hmm. overthrow Assad. So really, it was Egypt, which we had just destabilized with the coup that went on. Mm-hmm. with and that was that that was us people still forget it, it was the you know that was what happened first before Megazi happened mm-hmm. and then libya by by getting uh Gaddafi out of there they felt they could move militias in there and destabilize that area and then the muslim brotherhood would come in and quell and destabilize a region and obama loved the muslim brotherhood he loved mm-hmm. those guys and that's hamas oh come on man that's a terrorist <laughs> yeah so so uh, and then Using Libya to use Qaddafi stockpiles to stockpile the weapons to arm the militias, to go overthrow Assad. So we never had to give our own weapons. We, I think the Iran Contra affair, they learned quickly that, yeah, you don't use American weapons to stabilize nations. You go and you overtake a nation and use their weapons to give to a rebel group to overthrow another nation. They, so it can't, it's like fast and furious, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, they just wanted to go away because by us coming out and saying what saying what happened, yeah, it threw light on everything that we were doing, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, brother, I I completely believe that we were attacked with the own weapons that we were giving these Syrian militias. And remember, at that point too, mm-hmm. I think people forget. He said Al Qaeda was on the run, and there were no terrorists going. You know, terrorism was on the run. Al Qaeda was. Al-Qaeda was on the run and gonna be dead, and terrorism was a non-factor. We were we were giving weapons to terrorists. I, I we we were making ISIS in Libya. ISIS had started to form really before that. You know, it started its roots with our was and in Baghdad, but really to the fruition the where it really came to be was in Libya. And that was us making those militias that were supposed to overthrow Assad. That dude, that was ISIS, man. That was Ansar Sharia or Sahate. That was all those Al Qaeda in the Maghreb. That was freaking ISIS. And, and he, he was just going through the election at the time. And us coming out and the reelection at the time, he was, he was running for president again in 2012. And mm-hmm. um, 2013, it was 2000, yeah, 2012. And uh, that coming to light, honestly, if the, whoever he was going against, I think it was Mitt Romney. If they would have really hammered at that, Obama would have lost. I really believe that because it showed what, what his real agenda was, which was destabilization and overthrowing nations. Mm-hmm. And also showed that, uh, you know, he left Americans behind. Nobody's coming. That's a huge deal. I, at least at that time. I mean, I don't know if it is anymore. I'm hoping it is, but that never happens. You know, you don't you leave. No, you're there's nobody left behind. Never leave a fallen comrade to fall in the hands of the enemy. That's part of the fifth stands of the ranger creed. We all live by that credo. Some something is in the seal handbook and the marine handbook and the essay that it says the same thing. You leave no man behind, and they did. And when it came out, you know that's like a domino just fell. It's just it never really took hold. And the reason it never really took hold is because there were republicans involved with it too. Mm. There were republicans that 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 were part of that. And um, the only reason I know that is because I was knee deep in the swamp for three years. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I wanted to put my a gun to my head. Cause it was like, I, it really was, it was kind of, it was so, it was disheartening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I teach kids adversity as well as a father, you know, don't always believe what's in front of you. Sometimes it's not, it's not yeah. the truth. Um, I going there and seeing behind the curtain curtain the wizard of oz like being the dog and toto pulling the curtain and you see that it's not just some magnificent all-known being that's in front of you it's this man working these wheels well that's what i saw when i was in dc i'm like my goodness and what have i been fighting for what have i been leaving my kids for for the last right 18 years you know 10 years and then the service what what did so um yeah that's why again i believe benghazi and 9-11-2012, which will be the 10th anniversary coming up soon of, of the attack, mm-hmm. I think saved my life because as I saw behind the curtain, it, it, it really it, it really depressed me. And it also yeah. questioned like, wow, what have I done with my life? I've been, I've been gone and missed all this life with my kids. I've been a dirtbag to my wife. Now she's left me. And what did I do it for? I thought I was doing this for patriotism and God and country and freedom. And here I come to find out. It's money, power, control, and politicians that either don't know shit or just scumbags.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, it was, so that's why I look in the mirror going, okay, wait a second. It's just an obstacle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a huge obstacle and you're finding out what's going on in the world right now. Now you figured it out. You still have something to live for and not give up on. Mm-hmm. All right. What is it? What It's being a father and it, being a husband and it's my family. And if you can go through all that, and then you can go through that night. You can get through this. Mm-hmm. So again, it's 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 hitting the diversity even after Benghazi, but utilizing Benghazi in itself as a not, it's just an obstacle. Got through it. I got through hell. We got here. I'm home. Mm-hmm. I can get through a couple scumbags not telling the truth. I'll get through it, and and yeah. and I did. So yeah, it, it's it's a. I know we went down that road a little bit too long, but but no, it really is. It, it was a learned, another thing that as a father. Mm -hmm. i learned from and realized even on that scale it's still something that we can learn from to teach our kids to never give up yes you know that's you know pick yourself up
0: and i think chris too man you're just so perfect and spot on with that brother because where we're at today in society we didn't just get here overnight you know and it's crazy that you have to see behind the scenes to see where we're at and us as fathers Teaching that adversity that we just talked about the last hour, we need to teach our kids. We need to teach them to get through the things that are coming up. Yeah. Because I firmly believe, and I am, dude, I am not a, uh, You're I'm a not conspiracy. Two, I'm not a yeah. conspiracist. I'm yeah. not a doomsdayer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. But I truly, truly, truly believe that we're going to be going into some dark, dark days. Oh,
1: I, I agree I, I I think it's going to be like the and, and man, I'm dating myself. this is how old I am, even though I was a kid at the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're at the very least are going to go through a reset. We're going to go through a Carter Carter risk recession. We are. Mm-hmm. We may not I, I don't know if I now again I as far as guns and civil wars and all that, I as, as much as other guys will tell you you don't want that. We don't want that. I don't want to no. see that because that the infrastructure you're, you're done. the country's done. No, you, you can't recover from civil wars. You know how we know this? Well, because I lived in Afghanistan because <laughs> right. I was in Libya because I was, you know, I was even you know in Iraq and on the border of Kurdistan and and and, uh, and, and northern Iraq and and then being off the coast of Somalia and, and, and working in North Africa, civil wars don't work, guys. Mm-hmm. Civil wars and because the infrastructure has gone and when the infrastructure has gone, your money's gone. You, you there's no banks anymore you, your money's done it's not worth a dime yeah it, it doesn't work but i will say that i agree with you man i do agree with you and i think it's going to be it's going to be a recession where people are going to lose a lot of money they're mm-hmm. going to lose their livelihood it's going to happen um and the only way you can get through that is by picking yourself up yep. and starting again and so i i, I I, I think that's why there's a lot of suicides out right now is why COVID being locked down under COVID didn't help kids mental states or wearing masks doesn't help their mental states as well. Mm-hmm. But as fathers, I think what we can do is because I don't think kids see a lot of future right now. That's mm-hmm. why there's a lot of jobs because like, why do I want to work? First of all, the government's going to give me money. They yeah. did everybody else. And also, everything's so damn expensive what what does my minimum wage job do i don't need to work i you know, and and that 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 i wanted to work as a kid even though i was only making five bucks an hour I, yeah to me it was improvement and i think as fathers we need to push that we we do we say hey yeah things are going to get harder we're going to have to tighten you know be a good father i'm going to tighten our belt loops we're not going to be able to spend frivolously like we used to just like when my dad you know when he yeah. lost his job and we had to we had to make cuts. And he even said that, Hey, I lost my job. We're, mm-hmm. we just, we can't spend the things that we can't used to. we got to tighten our- I remember him saying that we got to tighten our belt loops. I still remember that. <laughs> um, but that's something where now we have an opportunity as fathers to teach our kids, to tighten yeah. our belt loops. All right. We still need to work. We still need to get out there and make a living and support. It's going to be harder, but we still need to do this because we need to support and you need to learn how to support your family in hard times because you know this is it's the ebb and flow it's how the world works mm-hmm. this probably won't be the last time that they would have to handle some sort of hard financial times because politicians aren't that smart guys i'm sorry no <laughs> they're, they're just not, not. They're, <laughs> they're just not but the only way that as 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 the common people the only way we get through that is we just drive through it all right, gas is expensive as hell right now. Well, if you don't work, it's sure as hell going to be a lot more expensive. We still got to work. We still got to pay, but you know what? You're not going to be able to go get that 12 pack of beer. And I'm saying that because I'm a redneck. I'm sorry. We, there's better examples out there. We're not going to be able to eat. You know, we're not going to be able to go eat sushi tonight. We're not going to be able to go buy that beer tonight. You're going to have to eat. You know, you're going to have to maybe go get hamburger and just fix yourself at home. You're going to have to eat macaroni. It's mm-hmm. just what i'm saying is i'm giving examples as fathers we can still be positive and say so, you know things are things are tight but we can get through it and we got each other and this is also a time where i think families yes. again just like can come instead of going out and spending money on the moves or something like me and my my kid going and jumping it's 100 degrees out going and putting the sprinkler on the trampoline we're out there jumping on the trampoline that, uh, yeah it costs a little money to have run the water for a little bit but I don't know. You're, are you in California? You guys yeah. may not be able to do that. Yeah, you, <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that now you do more things at home. Guess what? Those board games. I remember those used to be fun as hell like playing. A oh board yeah, game. remember? Remember mm-hmm. those days? Shoots and ladders. I remember and that, ladders. Man. Yeah, I mean, so even getting out and playing life and sorry and yeah. But what I'm saying is that we can teach our kids how to be positive in this in moment, even though as fathers, it, it worries us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It does. Because how am I going to, how, how am I going to make a living? What do I need to pay for this week? Retirement. My, you know, I've lost my, my retirement's gone. I mean, for, granted, I put money away in different things because I learned the hard way from just putting it in one thing that if you lose all that, it's gone, mm-hmm. but you no, know, one of my, my IRAs are losing, losing a ton right now. But that being said, I know they're going to come back because that's happened before. And they yeah. just come right back up. I just, I just, I teach my kids. I said, put money in an account. And just forget it's even there. You don't even know it's there. And that's what I did. But again, it's something to learn from. And the reason I learned from that is because I've lost a lot of money in Mm -hmm. IRAs and the stocks before. Um, And I learned from that. I learned how to minimize that possibility of a recession or something happening. Where I lose that money again. We're, we're teaching life lessons. Yes, we're staying positive, but we're also. But I, I know you being a father and you being in California, it's expensive. Oh my gosh, your gas! I can't believe your gas is that much. But <laughs> um, but we can still be positive, and we can still yeah. utilize this as a, the ability to teach our kids and to continue to not quit. Right. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. It's gonna get better, and mm-hmm. by us continuing to work and do our part we're going to make this place better because guess what? And you can say politicians are going to change. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would probably put dollars to donuts that the next election, there's going to be a different president. It, there will be. Mm-hmm. And, and um, because of the mistakes that have gone on with this one, I, I do really believe that the next group that comes in, they're going to focus on getting the economy change and getting people back on their feet. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, they're like, what are you, what are you saying? And I'm not, I'm not a Trumper, I, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm not actually uh, independent. I'm, yeah, not affiliated. I'm not. I... I you know, I didn't like Hillary Clinton. Uh, it wasn't because she was a Democrat. It's because, well, she left us to die. Because no- she's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing, you know, uh, same with Obama. I, it hadn't, that's thing, it had nothing to do with her political affiliation. I even said that on CNN. I said, I'd hate Donald Trump too if he did what Hillary Clinton did. I wouldn't like, hate's a strong word. That was back then. I'm not, yeah. a hateful guy. God's going to judge or let him judge. But what I'm saying is that we went through hard to my father when the carter era was going on and i remember even as a small child my family being worried because we were lower middle class it really Mm -hmm. hit us hard but when reagan came in office and like him or not when he came in office the economy went shot right Mm -hmm. up and even and then with and like him or not with bill clinton granted he's a you know he's an adulterer and i know he is guy i don't know adulterer had sex you know in the white House, terrible very unethical but to be but when he came in after Bush and we had that recession, that he came in. Economy was, was good. The focus and <laughs> went up, and that's why he got reelected. He sure didn't get reelected for being an ethical president. He mm-hmm. got reelected because the economy. Won. So that's why as fathers, we can, yeah, we can worry. We can. We, we're going to worry. We're you know we, we're the breadwinners. That's mm-hmm. still the whether you like that or not. Politically correct people, we are. Fathers are the breadwinners. Yeah, mothers maybe. That that's just a term fathers are going to worry about mothers. I mean, what worried about their families, but that being said, as a father that's been through two recessions, one as a young child, and one as, as I think when Clinton was president, I think, what was I in my twenties, thirties being mm-hmm. newly, newly, newly remarried. Um, I can tell you that it comes back and it does. Yeah. And, and that's a, we can be positive and, You know, if it doesn't and I'm wrong, Well, I'm wrong, but it's happened twice in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I I I have that I have that premonition that we're gonna be Mm -hmm. okay and it's gonna come back. And that's why I'm not gonna worry, but I am gonna tell my kids, you know, we can't spend what we used to. We we can't do what we used to do. We can't go to the movies every weekend if you want to go. You know, if if we do go to the movies, we can't buy that. We gotta tighten our belt strings. Mm -hmm. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta do more with less. This is again as father. This is the perfect time for to teach. This yep. is this is the best time when adversity happens. That is the best time to teach how to handle adversity. Mm-hmm. But a lot of uh, you know, a lot of people don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. I, and I think I've just done, because that's how I've grown up. And then like I said, my God's she's another one. It's like dude, mm-hmm. you can teach and learn from adversity and learn how to handle through obstacles. And you, you can even better when everything's going well because mm-hmm. when everything's going well. you got nothing to to change. There's nothing to work on. But when Mm -hmm. adversity happens, let's see what we're made of and get through this. And can we teach our kids the same way? So when they go through it in their lifetime, which they will, because it's just how it goes, guys. If I'm wrong, I will happily be wrong if we never have to go through this sort of recession and this sort of turmoil in our country again. I will be completely happy. But once we get through this, there'll be 20, 30, 40 years. We're going to go through it again it's just brother it's the ebb and flow it's it's how the world works and and it's life just life that's how like that's life life's a roller yeah. coaster um we just got to learn how to ride that thing man peaks and valleys <laughs> <laughs> peaks, peaks and, and valleys. valleys you know so but yeah but i i i agree with you i i think we're in a i think we're in hard times right now mm-hmm. and how as fathers we react to it especially if our kids are really young is how they are going to react yes when they're older and if we can stay positive and continue to work and show them and set a good mm-hmm. example they're going to see those same things and I see they're going to do the same thing and I see that with my son and my daughter mm-hmm. uh, you know with with the way I act that they're the same way they, they actually are seeing it even though they're not I don't they're, they're saying they're not paying attention or they're rolling their eyes by their actions I can see that they're learning they're mm-hmm. learning the good things they're also learning some of the bad things I do I still got a potty mouth so, so I gotta watch. <laughs> you I gotta and me both, watch. brother. <laughs> I but brother, you know, I, I'm with you, man. I yeah, it's 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 tough and it's only gonna get worse. It uh-huh. will, but we've been through this before. And as Americans, we know how to handle this. And as mm-hmm. and as fathers, we can't give up. If we have that give up attitude, it's just gonna our kids are gonna see it and they're gonna emulate it. And when they go through their hard times, mm-hmm. They're going to do the same thing, and they're going to have a bad attitude, and and the the bad times are going to be a lot longer mm-hmm. than they need to do. My that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion.
0: And I I can't agree with you more, Chris. Um, there is such a thing as uh mirror neurons. Yeah, and like you said, our mm-hmm. kids when they're watching you, they're developing that same type of mentality. Everything that we do, they're going to do because they're yeah. watching us. And I could prove that to people when kids start walking. Okay. They don't see us crawling. They see us walking. So what do they do? It's not like we grab their little legs and we stand them <laughs> up and we try. you know what I mean? They start wanting to walk on their own. It's yeah. because they're watching us walk. Those are mirror neurons, you know? Exactly. So if we're showing them in this tough trouble time, how to respond to a situation, what do you think they're going to do when those yeah. tough trouble times hit them? Yeah. Right.
1: Good. Yep. You're right. Right on, man. Right on. But
0: right on, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on here, brother. Well, I of course. opening up. I don't oh, want to man. take so much of your
1: time. No, <laughs> is it already time? Holy crap, it is. <laughs> but Dave, I, I appreciate it, man. And, and uh, again, sorry for missing you on that other one. I just, re- it was during a family, family yeah. business vacation. It was work, but it was also family vacation. So you know as good as, you just reach out. If you ever want me on again, I always enjoy this and this brother, you have good content and this is what, this is what podcasts need to be out there. These kind of podcasts. So if you ever want me on again, you just, just don't hesitate to ask and you know, hit up Jeremy or hit up myself and I'll be, I'll be honored, man right on. Well, thank you so much
0: for coming on, Chris. We appreciate you. And I know my audience is going to really love it, man. I love your posts. So uh, we're thanks, a big brother. fan and, uh, we support you hundred percent with our foundation. So thank thanks, you, brother. God appreciate God bless it. You. Dave, have a good night, buddy. You too. God bless. Bye-bye.